How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come to your word, uh, which is about your word, uh, I pray today that you would grant me unction, that you would speak through me and even over and above me. Uh, Father, uh, by your spirit, uh, be with us today and give us ears to hear and then, and then stir us up so that indeed we are people uh, of the book. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for the, the past three months, roughly, uh, I've been leading two men's Bible studies on a book called Every Good Endeavor. Uh, Every Good Endeavor is a book about connecting your faith to your work. And the chapter that we just covered this past week is a chapter about worldviews. Now, what's a worldview? A worldview is a sort of overarching story uh, that we use to make sense of the world that we live in. And every worldview has to answer three questions. Number one, what's the world supposed to be like? Number two, what's wrong with the world? And number three, what do we need to do to fix it? Now, you may say, well, that's interesting and all, but that sounds a little bit academic to me. Why does that really matter? Well, every person, every single person operates from within a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. Even if you have never heard that word or those three questions before, you have answers to those three questions formulated in your mind. What's the world supposed to be like? What's wrong with the world? And what needs to be done to fix it, to make it right? And the answers that you have to those questions affect everything about your life. They affect how you approach everything. They affect how you approach life. The answers you have to those questions affect how you think other people ought to be approaching life as well. Uh, the newscasters on Fox News and MSNBC, the, uh, CNN, any, any news network, the stories they report, the, the ones they choose to report, the way in which they report them, are impacted by their worldviews. They're impacted by their worldviews. They affect how they report the stories, they affect the stories they actually choose to report. Your professors, students, they're operating from within a worldview. They're not just coming neutrally to anything. They have answers to those questions that affect the way they teach whatever subject they're teaching. Um, high school, elementary students, your teachers the same way. They have answers to those questions. The wealthiest businessman or the poorest homeless person has a worldview. They're operating with answers, maybe assumed answers, to those questions. And, and they affect everything about the way they approach life. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, kind of academic to start with and then maybe get down into real life. Marxism. What does Marxism say the problem with the world is? Marxism says the problem with the world is, is a greedy capitalist who won't share the means of production with a, with a common man. And the solution in Marxism is a totalitarian state. 
is going to distribute the wealth and make everything okay. Uh, Freud says that our problem comes from suppressing our desires for, for pleasure. That we're just bad at suppressing our desires for pleasure, and in his view, uh, the moral gatekeepers, the church, those are the bad guys because they're always telling you to keep your desires in check. And the answer then is to do whatever you feel like doing. That's where liberation, that's how you would fix the world. Now, um, bring it more down the earth. Macklemore, you know, remember the rapper Macklemore? He hadn't, he hadn't had a song in a couple of years I've heard, but he had one a couple of years ago called Wings. And in Wings, he talks about how badly he wanted a particular kind of shoes when he was growing up, especially Air Jordans. All right, now, now listen to some of the words of this song. And I want you to think about, as, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but as I kind of go through it, think about how the story he's living by changes from the beginning of the song to the end of the song. But, he, but he's living by a story. I was trying to fly without leaving the ground because I wanted to be like Mike, right? Wanted to be him. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to touch the rim. I wanted to be cool and I wanted to fit in. I wanted what he had. America, it begins. $100 for a pair of shoes I would never hoop in. Look at me, look at me, I'm a cool kid. I'm an individual, yeah, but I'm part of a movement. My movement told me be a consumer and I consumed it. They told me to just do it. I listened to what the swoosh said. Look at what this, that swoosh did. See, it consumed my thoughts. But see, I look inside the mirror and think Phil Knight, who, he started Nike, and think Phil Knight tricked us all. Will I stand for change or stay in my box? These Nikes help define me, but I'm trying to take mine off. What I wore, this is the source of my youth, this dream that they sold to you. For $100 and some change, consumption is in the veins, and now I see it's just another pair of shoes. Can, can you see how the story he operated from within changed over the course of his life? When he, when he was young, he operated from this story that, that said, I'm not cool, and that's not good, and the way for me to become cool is to have this certain pair of shoes and then I'll fit in and everything will, will be all be alright if I have this hundred dollar pair of sneakers. Later he's able to look back at that and say that story that I was living my life by was wrong. It, it, it's, that's not true. That story that I was living my life by that I invested so much in, that was the wrong story. You and I are going to have answers to those three questions. You're going to live your life by a story. You're living your life by a story right now. But what if you lived not just your youth, but your entire life by the wrong story? What if you're living by the wrong story now? See, Christianity has answers to those three questions too. Christianity says that God created the world good. That we were meant to live in harmony with God and, and with one another. But that mankind rebelled against God. And because our relationship with God is broken, now the whole world is actually broken. Well, what's the solution? The solution is that Jesus has come. Jesus has come to restore our relationship with God. Jesus has come to restore and renew all of creation. He's come to make all things new. The story of creation, the, three, the answers to the three questions are creation, fall, and redemption. Creation, fall, and redemption. Now, 
if you're here with us this morning and you're not a believer, I'm, I'm glad you're here. But I want to I challenge you to, to, to at least investigate that story. And I think you owe it to yourself to at least investigate the story of Christianity. To learn more about it. What is it? What does it look like? What if Christianity is the one true story? Don't you owe it to yourself to look into that? What would... What would looking into it look like if you are a Christian I want to encourage you to ask yourself am I really living by this story is is this narrative of creation fall redemption is that the narrative that defines my life or is my life defined by consumerism or, or a drive to succeed or by some version of the American dream what what's your hundred dollar pair of shoes What's the $100 pair of shoes in, in your story? Well, how do I check it out? How do I know the story of Christianity? How do I learn it? How do I flesh it out? How do I learn to spot all the, the false stories that I'm tempted to live by? Well, what does the psalm say here in verse 9? How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? When the Bible tells us that, it is telling us that if you want to avoid, excuse me, if you want to, to avoid sin, then if you want to walk in the path of obedience to God's word, then, then you need to walk in the path of God's commandments. You need to look at what this book says to do and to seek to follow what this book says to do to do. But then when you look in the book, you see that it not only contains commandments, it not only contains rules, but that walking in the right path involves more than just trying to keep those commandments and rules. As you, as you read the story of the Bible, you begin to see that, you know what, I'm not very good at keeping these commandments and these rules, that I'm actually a law breaker and not a law keeper, that I'm actually part of what's wrong with the world, but that Jesus has come into the world to do something about that. Jesus has come into the world to, to die for my sins on the cross and to restore my relationship with God and to actually begin to remake who I am. Uh, to remake who I am into the very image of Jesus Christ, into somebody who loves God and loves my neighbor and begins to see the law of God and the commandments of God as something that are actually good for me. And who begins to see that while obedience doesn't earn my salvation, it does bring blessing into my life. And so walking along this right path means walking by the story of this book. Walking along the right path means walking according to the story of this book. So if I'm going to check out Christianity, i got to see what this says. i got to understand this story. And if I'm going to live my life by this story, then I've actually got to know it. I've got to know what's in this book, and I've got to be shaped by it. I've got to get this inside of me. Uh, as, as Eugene Peterson once said, I've got to eat this book. All right, I've got to consume the contents of this book. Verse 12, I've got to be taught these words that are in this book. Verse 13, I've got to speak these words. In other words, I've got to talk about these words. Verse 14, I've got to delight 
in these words. Verse 15, I've got to meditate on these words. Verse 16, I've got to be careful not to forget these words. The commandments, the promises, the threats, the blessings, all of it. And I think verse 11 really sort of sums up what I, what, what I want us to get at today is, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So y'all, what I want to start this year with for us as a church, this is not a profound sermon. I doubt you're going to walk out here going, oh, I've never heard that before. Um, but I want to challenge us. Um, I, I want to challenge us. Is this going to be a year when you hide God's word in your heart? Is this going to be a year when you get this story, the story of Scripture, into you? Now, what we're talking about here is listening to God's Word, discussing God's Word, reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word, memorizing God's Word, so that this becomes more and more the story that we live by. Now, I know there are a lot of things that... that make this hard for us to do all right so let's let's just all acknowledge it on on the front end there's the tyranny of the urgent uh young children make this hard to do moms i, mean, I know this is like it's really hard you have a lot of young children trying to, to figure this out to spend time in god's word john wesley's wife i think there's a picture illustrated of her she had a bunch of kids and she had like her apron pulled up over her head trying to trying to hide from everybody just for a minute like so I can just pray for just a minute because I can't get away from all of it and so that can make it hard we're busy and so that makes it hard but I think we also ought to ask ourselves from time to time to what end am I busy why, why am I so busy what story am I actually living by that causes me to be so busy uh, we're driven by pleasure and it's a lot more fun to spend 30 minutes looking at funny videos on YouTube than it is reading the Bible. And let's be honest about that. All right, I know R.C. Sproul one time said, I don't know how anybody can find the Bible boring. Well, I, I don't know, they didn't have the internet then. Um, but I mean, there, there are times when it's just kind of hard and it's just boring and we're like, I don't want to go do something fun. It's not entertaining enough to us. Sometimes it just feels irrelevant. Um, if you're reading through the Bible in the year and you're in Leviticus, you're like, man, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not seeing how this applies right now. And the truth of the matter is there are a lot of other things that we would rather store in our hearts or that we find ourselves storing in our hearts. How's the stock market doing? How's recruiting going for my favorite team? Uh, what are my friends up, on social, up to on social media? There's, like, there's all these other things that we feel like, oh, I've got to store this. I've got to spend time on this. And so, again, kind of my challenge for us is we, we treasure this. Will, will this year, will you make this book something you treasure? Will you treasure it enough to store it up in your heart? Will you, will you treasure it enough for your kids that you will parent them to store it up in their hearts even though they may not want to do that? even though it's hard and you're tired and it may feel like pulling teeth sometimes. I mean, think about it. Stop and I think sometimes we don't, we don't plan for the long haul. Yes, it may be really hard right now, but do we honestly think our children are going to be 
worse off 20 years from now if they've spent a lot of time studying and memorizing scripture now? What would, how would that impact your child's life when they're 45 years old if while they're growing up they've memorized 50, 100, 200 verses of scripture? How, how would that impact their future uh, and their lives as, as adults? Because we've made a commitment to, to shepherd them when they're young. Because we realize that they need, they need this food as much as they need the food that we put on the table every night. So, so how do we get there? Uh, what are some of the ways we can store up God's word in our hearts? I want to talk about five of them. Uh, number one, we listen to the preached word. That's what you're doing right now. So, all right, you got, you've done number one for the day. You can check that off the list. Um, you, you, you listen to the preached word of God. There's something about this event where a sinful man stands in front of you and tries to explain the word of God that God, for whatever reason, is pleased to use to really work in people's lives. Um, Paul talks about God using the foolishness of preaching. And sometimes this is what it feels like. But God is pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. And so if you want to get the word of God into you, it starts here. It starts with, with, with you making a commitment to say, you know what, this year I'm going to be regular uh, in attendance in worship. I'm going to regularly put myself under the preaching of God's word. It's not always going to be amazing. Some days are going to be like a day where it's just kind of plain vanilla. Yep, I, I, I know that already. Um, but God uses this preached word of God over and over to grow us in our walk with Christ. Now, I want to encourage you also to try to be more than just passive in this. More than just kind of like, okay, I'm going to show up and then I'm going to leave. And I hope something happens there. Um, let me suggest that you give some thought to this. And I'm going to, I'll send out an email this week with some of these things you can go back over and, and look through. But the, the Westminster Larger Catechism, and if you've never heard about that, don't worry about what that is. But it asks this question, what's required of those who hear the word preached? What's, what's required of me when, when I am going to hear the preaching of the word or after I've heard it? And this is how they, they try to answer that question. It's required of those who hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. With diligence, regularly, with preparation, and with prayer. All right, what would it look like for us if, if, if Sunday wasn't this mad dash to, where we're yelling at each other to get to church on time? What if it was not that, but we actually were up early enough where we sat down and we could actually pray about what was going to take place on Sunday morning? Pray for ourselves. Pray for the other people who would be here as we approach the, the preaching of God's Word. Uh, it goes on to say, that we need to examine what they hear by the scriptures. In other words, like if I say something that that's you're like, I don't think that's in the Bible, then you ought to go look at the Bible, all right? And say, okay, Justin, you shouldn't be saying that. Or, yeah, okay, that's what the Bible says. And so that means I need to actually give heed to that. It goes on to say, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God meditate and confer of it. Well, meditate just means to think about it. 
And confer of it means to talk about it, have conversations about it, about what you've heard. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. All right. Well, again, what would it look like if we came week after week, not just hoping to hear a good sermon, but praying that God would use even the bad sermons to change our hearts? That God would be pleased to use his word in that way. Now, all right, so, so listen to the word. Number two, discuss the word. Talk about it with each other. Talk about it with your family. And I know that can be weird for some of us if, if you didn't grow up in a family that, that has done that. It can be awkward sometimes, but, but we've got to kind of push past this. I've got Sunday, I hear it, and then I go on with the rest of my life where I talk about everything else and it's completely divorced about what happened there on Sunday. So talk about it with each other. And maybe community groups is a place where you can do that. Uh, number three, we need to be readers of the word. Now let me give you just some some practical ways to, to think about getting at that this year. Um, everybody here this year, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to read uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Right? Now, yes, this is a children's Bible, uh, but there's, there's nothing out there that will help you get the overarching storyline of the Bible better than this book. And I'll say there's almost nothing out there that'll, that'll help you see your need for Jesus better. And, and seeing that, it, that the whole book is about Jesus, this Jesus Storybook Bible will help you to see that. And so, uh, parents, if, if, if you want a copy of this, let me know. I'll get you a copy. I'll even give you this one. Now, this one, just come see me afterwards. This one does say, presented to Natalie by Coach K, because I was an upper basketball coach and was going to give this to my players, and somebody got skipped. So if you want an autographed copy... Um, if your name if your name's Natalie the Lord has laid it on my heart that you, <laughs> cut that out of the recording um, anyway the, the, the Jesus storybook Bible would be a, would be a good thing for you to, to look through this year um, another thing you might consider is trying to read through the Bible in the year I've done that with a couple of groups of men this year it's probably going to take us 14 months um and that's the closest I've ever gotten to make it through in a year, to, to be honest with you. But that can be a really good discipline to do, a really good thing to try. Um, we're reading through it chronologically. There's chronological Bibles. You might try one of those. There are a billion plans for reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, you, you can Google that and, and, and find one of those. If you can't do it in one year, do the two-year plan. But, but read broadly and, and try to get the story of the Bible uh, into your life. And, and in all honesty, uh, two of the godliest men I know are men who've made a commitment to read through the Bible every year. And when I was been doing it every year for, for 40 years. So it's, it's not impossible, but think about possibly trying that. Another thing you can try, if you're like, that's not my thing, another thing you can try is to take one book of the Bible uh, and maybe take Ephesians, since we're, gonna, we're about to come back to studying Ephesians, take one book of the Bible and just read it. And then when you get done, don't move on to the next book. Read that book again. And then when you're done, read that book again. And do that 20 times. And then go read another book. And you can really absorb and really get to, get to know a particular book of the Bible in that way. Well, my point is not for you to try to do all of these things, but pick something that will help you get in to the Word of God and, and, and just read it. 
All right, so the, number three is read. Number four, meditate. Whatever you pick, whatever your chosen method is to try to spend time reading the Word, take one or two of the things out of, like if, let's say you're reading through the Bible here and you read three chapters a day, don't try to meditate on all three chapters, okay? <coughs> pick one or two things that jumped out at you from those verses. It's like, you know, I want to think about those a little bit more. Um, pray over those things. Here's some, some, some questions that I use from Tim Keller on, on doing that. Uh, four things he talks about, and again, I'll email this. Uh, adoration, how can I love and praise God on the basis of this? So here's something I read. How can I love and praise God on the basis of this that I read? Or, or what do I see here that I really should be praising him for? Uh, number two, confession. How do I fail to realize this in my life? What wrong behavior, harmful emotions, or attitude result when I forget this? When I forget this thing that I'm supposed to be praising God for, what does that start to look like in my life? Uh, number three, thanksgiving. How can I thank Jesus as the ultimate revelation of this attribute of God and the ultimate answer to the sin or need of mine? Like I, I think I'm going to find what I need in this sin. What I really need is Jesus. And then supplication. How does this show me what I should or can be and do? How would I be different if this truth were powerfully real to me? So take some time. Don't just be a, a reader like, like you're checking it off. But take a couple of things out of what you read and, and just spend some time thinking and praying over those. Uh, fifth thing, last thing, memorization. Now, this is the hardest I think of these five things that I mentioned to do, but this is really where we can start hiding God's Word in our hearts. This is really what will prepare you for those times of trial and discouragement. Uh, this is those rough patches in life. Um, if you do this hard work of, of memorizing God's Word. Uh, many of you have probably seen Unbroken, or you've, you've uh, read Unbroken, uh, the story of, of Louis Zamperini, and, and if you know the story, you know he's shot down uh, over the Pacific during World War II. He's out on a life raft for I don't know, 50 days or something, and he's a POW for a long period of time. And it's kind of how stories about how he endures that. And I think in, in watching that, one of the reasons he was able to endure was that prior to his career in the military, he was a he was a runner, and he was actually an Olympic athlete. And he had to train and endure a lot of hardships as he was running. But he got into the habit of that, of, of pushing through that. And so that formed a character trait in him. So that when he got into this hard situation, that was kind of who he was. It's kind of who he had been programmed to be. Even though, yeah, it was harder, he had had practice doing that, practice enduring when things are hard. If you and I will persevere through memorizing Scripture, we'll, we'll develop something within us that we'll have. We'll have those verses when times are hard, and we need to draw on those. The Holy Spirit will bring them to our minds. Now, where do you start with that? Um, so we've, been, we've been talking about a memory memorization program that we're doing in conjunction with Mount Calvary for the youth. Uh, some of you may want to do that in your families. Uh, but in all honesty, if you haven't done much of that before, that can feel a little bit like jumping, jumping into the deep end of the pool. Uh, you may want to start with a little less ambitious goal, but, but start somewhere. 
there are other memory programs that we can use to to make use of and I'll again I'll, I'll email some of those to you this week stuff that the navigators put out stuff that our denomination puts out just things to help us memorize scripture another good thing to memorize is some of these children's catechisms and this is another resource I'd really want to make available to families um, this one doesn't have anybody's name in it but it's 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 my first book of questions and answers um, and here it's 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 simple who made you god all right we can do that all right you we, we can we can memorize that one why did god make you to glorify him and enjoy him what else did god make god made all things why did god make all things for his own glory and it has a scripture verse that goes with us you can use this with your kids and really begin getting the truths of scripture into their hearts so if anybody wants this or wants a copy um let me know now let me close with this. Um, I think there would be huge benefit to you, to your family, to us as a church, if we would really commit to, to being a people of the book this year. But I want to give you a warning as well. Because the written word is intended to drive you to the living word. The more you read, the more you ought to see how much you need Jesus. You shouldn't be saying, wow, I'm really good because I'm reading my Bible a lot. The more you read your Bible, the more you ought to see how much you need Jesus. And the more you read your Bible, you ought to see how that God has freely given you Jesus Christ. That he's yours in the gospel. So my warning is, don't miss Jesus because you get caught up in checking off a box to say, well, I've read this for the day or for the week or whatever. Don't miss Jesus. Read the Bible, yes, but pray that as you read the Bible, God would use that to, to draw you into a deeper relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, these are um, not new things, and um, maybe some of us have, have, have made a resolution like this before, but God help us. Uh, we know we, we need your, your word in our hearts. We know that the, the path to godliness, the path to living according to your story is to, to store these truths of scripture up in our hearts. And so, Father, I, would, I pray that you would help us to do that. Whatever method we choose, uh, that we would find a way to get your word into our hearts and that you would uh, bless that word and make it fruitful in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.